Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more in any week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. And you know what I say, Brandon? Bet it all on the bills. Whatever your paycheck was this week, Put it all on the bills. Wise, wise advice. Well, to do that, you should download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. Taylor, we have some stuff to talk about today in the world of the Buffalo Sabres. Namely, that first overall draft pick, Owen Power, has officially elected to go back to the University of Michigan for his sophomore season, joining teammates and co-top five picks, Matt Beneers and Kent Johnson, heading back to a team that seemingly has a very good shot at winning a national championship next year. Not that this was necessarily a surprise because Power had mentioned that he thought that he still needed another year of seasoning and he wanted to go back to college to compete and play in meaningful games, also play in the World Juniors and play a major role on both of those squads, both Michigan and for Team Canada. So just getting your sense, what are your thoughts on Power going back to Michigan for his sophomore season? Well, so this news just broke right before we started recording. It didn't break last week and we forgot to talk about it. No, I think it's like pretty expected and it's a good idea for a few reasons. First of all, like you said, more seasoning. Nobody seasons their food like people in Michigan. Mm. Also, yeah, like in general, it's a it's it'll be good for them. This the Sabres have six defensemen who are capable of playing in the NHL already on the roster this year. So that's fine. I think as far as first overall picks go, uh power is pro- not I don't want to say bad, but like he's on the level of guys that have gone back to school. Like Hopefully he'll be better than them in the NHL, but like, you know, like 
not back to school necessarily, but back to not not playing in the NHL. Like the last couple were what Eric Johnson and Chris Phillips. Mm-hmm. If you had a Chris Phillips like career, I don't think people would be mad. That'd be nice. Played a thousand games for us. See, that's a monkey paw thing I just did right there for us. It. Yeah, because it could be wrist aligning wow. type thing. I'm not gonna go there though. We're not gonna wow. go there. No, but like it also is these guys in this draft class will probably mostly all go back, mm-hmm. and they've had. Some one of the weirder pre-draft years or draft years of all time, and a lot of them didn't get to play. They didn't get to finish the previous season, even really for the most part. And then they, if they did play this year, it was scattered. It was you know they took two weeks off because someone tested positive, or they couldn't play because someone on their opponent tested positive. It's a weird year. I mean, Michigan, even though being one of the premier uh, teams in the country, doesn't escape the fact that you don't. He didn't get the kind of experience that top uh, players usually get in their draft year. So I think it's a good idea. So you mentioned, obviously, Beniers and Johnson are going back. Is someone else – didn't they have four of the top five picks? Oh, Luke Hughes. But, I mean, I have a hard time thinking that he'll make the Devils out of camp. So he'll probably go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the plan as well. So they'll be back. That'll be a good team. Our, yeah. our pal uh, Portillo will be there. Starting in net. So, you know, I feel like he just has to be okay. Based, I'm not a college hockey expert, but I think having – four of the top five picks be on one team is pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. Definitely should, not bad. Should be fun. I see. I think they just got the, uh, the top pick from next year uh, to commit to them, but I don't know his name and he won't be there this year. So for early, you mean like the 2022 drafts? No, no, no. The, the top prospect of the next uh, class. Yeah. The, the, for next year's draft, you're saying, no, no, no. He would be in the 2023 draft. Oh, 2023. I don't know if he'd be the top prospect because I know the top two in 2023 are Connor Bedard and uh, I guess Mishkov top, or whatever the, the Russian NCAA. kid who is a top NCAA. Oh, a prospect. top. Okay. I gotcha. I, I gotcha. It was big enough that the athletic sent me an alert about it. Okay. But yeah, yeah, this has been, it was a uh, meta on Twitter with not much interest. People like, are not surprised by it. Yeah. There's those weirdos that are like, he's going to stay three more years. He's going to stay two more years after that and re-enter the draft. It's like, are you sure though? Yeah, He's not going to do that. Why would he do that? <laughs> no. And I mean, this is, this is the obvious move to make leading up to the draft. You and I both pretty much everybody had talked about the fact that taking a defenseman first overall is extremely risky. And on top of that, asking them to come and step into the NHL right off the bat, whether it's a first overall pick or not, it, it really does not happen that often with defensemen where they're able to just step in as an 18 year old. Rasmus Dahlin was an exception, Aaron Ackblad, um, but Cal McCarr had to go back and, and take some time to, he went back to college before jumping into the NHL. Miro Heiskanen. He in uh, Norris finals last year. He was. So he turned out okay. Yeah. That Kel McCarr guy, he's pretty good. By the way, did you see someone tweeted, I forgot who it was, their list of breakout candidates for next year? Mm-hmm. It was mostly guys like who were already pretty good, like Carter Verhage. Like he broke out last year. Yeah, that was. But they put Adam Fox on it. It's like, what is he going to do to break out? Win the MVP? Like, yeah. My God. He won the Norris Trophy. That's ridiculous. That's kind of, I would argue that he already had his breakout season before this year. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, so uh, back to power, though, I, I mean, it, it makes a, a ton of sense for him to go back. It gives him, you know, again, time to be around two different winning cultures, teams that are going to dominate, because if we're being real with ourselves here, we all know the Sabres aren't going to be good next year. I think that they might be surprisingly better than we all think than like a complete dumpster fire, again, due to some addition by subtraction there. But there's also a lot of subtraction by subtraction uh, <laughs> with this team, too. So I think that just him not being in that 
locker room, especially if there's a potential of Jack Eichel being around and how that can weigh on a young guy like that. And even the existing young guys in the room, I don't want him anywhere near that. I'd rather he goes back, continues to build confidence. He dominates in college, like unquestionably dominates for Michigan. He dominates at the world juniors. And then next year, even though you'll probably be looking at a bottom 10 finish again, for leading into the 2023 draft in the, in the 22, uh, 23 season, I still think the team will be at a point that they will hopefully be taking another step so that when he comes into it, they're going to be an up, like a real up and coming team as compared to where they are right now, where they're just young, you know, like right. they're going to be on the cusp of taking the next step. And I would like for him to be there for that. Um, you'd also think by that point, not that they'll be playing on a pairing together or anything like that, but Darlene will hopefully be taking a big step this year, you know, similar trajectory under what he was doing with Granado. Um, I mean, you have Yuki Haru there, you have, you know, Will Butcher, if he's able to stick around. So the other nice thing too, is that when power does eventually get here next season, or potentially even for a short stint at the end of this year, he's not going to be asked to right away, jump in and be a, a key piece to the puzzle. They're going to be able to, to let him cook properly. Right. And you know what? Let's bring back the prestige of the Hopi Baker to Buffalo. Because didn't, if I'm mistaken, Ryan Miller won the Hopi Baker? Ryan Miller did win the Hopi Baker. And our last two Hopi Baker winners, one was good, but let's say things are ending on bad terms. And the other one was a world-class bum. Yeah. So let's, yeah. Bring, let's have a good Hopi Baker winner here. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. So Maybe we should go to Michigan and see a game. Well, you think they'll be anywhere around here? Maybe. Maybe we go wherever they go around here and see him play. Yeah. I have thought about that. But, you know, like, let's see, they... They would play Penn State. That's not that close to here, but no. it's, it's not that far either. Hmm. We'll plan this. Interesting. We'll plan a retreat for us and all of our listeners who want to go, and we'll go see Michigan play and just root for Owen Power. Yeah. So who's going to – who do you think – And Eric Portillo. So <laughs> dual national championships next year. Michigan hockey led by Owen Power to, and all the other first-round picks. Yes. Michigan basketball. Led mm. by legendary, legendary Jawan Howard. Mm. What about Michigan football? Six and six. <laughs> Sorry, friends. No, I'm going to say Michigan football official prediction. I don't know how many games they're playing, but either include a bowl or don't in this eight and five. Wow. That's I mean, pretty good. I think that's kind of bad for them. I mean, they're usually like, they have comparatively, a they haven't been good lately. The past couple well, years, they've been year, garbage. But like, so like 2015 through 19, you would consider them a failure, obviously, but their record was like surprisingly like Harbaugh's record his first five years, surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his record against Ohio state is all people care about, which is Oh, and five, not good. <laughs> Never won his division, much less the big 10. I don't know if they've ever finished top two in their division in the big 10. Wow. Which is kind of crazy. Hey, how are the Vols going to do this year? Your, your Tennessee Vols. Uh, I bet they win. So they got some real, real bums on the schedule. So I bet they win at least four games. At least four shooting for the stars. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You know, Josh Heupel, their new coach who looks sick, like 20 years older than he is, uh, said that he liked the way guys went to meetings. Wow. Say no more. Their energy national championship. Here we come. Yeah. They're not good, but the thing is, there's all these teams in the SEC, like Tennessee in eh, 2015, I think it was, went like 10 and four, and they even had a dumb loss or two in there. Mm-hmm. Because, like, most of the schedule, especially because they don't go hard on the non conference at all, is like South Carolina, you could beat them. Kentucky, you could beat them. Missouri, mm-hmm. 
you could beat them. Mm-hmm. This is all those teams like Vanderbilt, especially all these teams you could beat. Now every year they play Bama, Georgia, and Florida, and we know what happens every year. For I think the last four years they've gotten swept by those teams, so mm. I expect that to become five. All those teams are really good, and no one cares. I don't know why I'm talking about this for so long. I think the goal. What's the record? Five and eight. Four. You know, five and eight. Whatever. They play a bunch okay. of crap teams. Five and eight. Hypel. You know. Still some discipline into the fellows. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe we can transition off of Tennessee Volunteers football and into a, a real sicko two-part question that I have to ask you that I want to talk no. about a little bit. Real, real sick stuff here, folks. And I'm, I'm really sorry to just put this out into the world. I don't really think I've seen anybody ask the second part of this question, um, but it made me really sad thinking about it. So I just want to throw it out there. So part one, Taylor, do you feel as though it is a realistic possibility at this point that Jack Eichel not is on the team, but suits up for the Sabres this upcoming season? Brendan, do you see the shirt I'm wearing today? I do. Tottenham Hotspur. That's right. So Terry Kane, something happened today. That's a very appropriate uh, question today because Harry Kane was basically the same situation as Eichel. Now, Harry Kane's career, first of all, I'm going to say this. Harry Kane is better at his sport than Eichel is at his, mm. and more people play it. So he's better. And his, quote, lack of success is a lot different than Eichel's lack of success. Like, they were in a Champions League final. They finished top four, like, four times. They're one of the better teams in the league every year, but they haven't won a trophy. This is like if Eichel was leaving because he didn't win the Stanley Cup. Mm. However, there's comparable in some ways. They've been disappointing. The teams have been disappointing the last couple of years while the players continue to shine. They both, even though they haven't had crazy major injuries until Eichel now, uh they've had nagging injuries that they've tried to play through throughout the years they're both really dumb guys not smart at all Hmm. uh but they both both of them wanted out at the same time this past summer and there was like a lot of feet dragging on both ends because on one side like you have eichel's thing we all know what it is the neck problem the thing we've been talking about for months you mean the rib problem (laughs) <laughs> yeah sorry he's he can't find it anyway. I, I need to get that out of my system apologies sorry yeah same way that eichel needed to get the rib out of his system anyways go ahead. <laughs> it was necessary <laughs> and like kane on the other hand it's a little different over there in europe uh usually it's not trades it's sales like mm-hmm. a team will buy a player and they'll just the player agrees to it team agrees to it and then the team gets a whole boatload of money and this would have been probably the most expensive sale in the history of the league, it was shaping up to be that way. And Brennan's team, kind of, Manchester City, is like the richest team in the league and a natural destination. They needed a striker like him, and they couldn't make it work. So today, Harry Kane was just like, you know what? I'll stay for now. Wow. I mean, he has no choice. Like Eichel, he's under contract for many years. Okay, so the answer is yes, then, that you think Jack Eichel will suit up for the Sabres this year. I think there's a really good chance of it now. Okay. Maybe, I mean... Is he really just going to sit out if he can't play? I would have to think not. But also at the same time, it's like whenever – is this surgery going to happen? Because if it's going to take him two months to get back, I mean, Kevin Adams, you know, I think we both have a lot of people – like he deserves credit for for not budging and, and sticking to, you know, whatever his price is. But it is kind of approaching a point now where it's like, my man, something's got to give here. You, yeah. you can't just keep doing this and sabotaging this because clearly Eichel's camp is not doing you any favors and you got to play the cards that you're dealt. So my second part to this question that is just 
horrible to think about. Assuming Eichel is on the team this year, he misses time due to injury. Say it's even up to maybe two months, potentially, month or two. Do you think that given the makeup of the team this year, that it is a realistic possibility that even still with missing that much time that he could lead the Buffalo Sabres in scoring at the end of the 21, 22 season. Yes. Who else is going to, does that not make you like so sad? Who is leading the team in scoring this year? I know people, I think Chad had kind of put it out there. Chad G. Dominicus. um, You all know him the best him and Anthony. We love them. Uh, They, one of them had posed the question, of saying, who is the Sabres' best player going to be this year? Now, best player does not necessarily mean high scorer on the team. I think it's a realistic possibility that Darlene is the best player on the team this year, but I don't think that Darlene will lead the team in scoring. To be quite honest, I would really have to think about, though, who would lead them in scoring. And I started to, and I really don't know, because you could say, I mean, the most productive forward on the roster right now from last season is Victor Olofsson, which is not good because Victor Olofsson is power play dependent. And when he did score at five on five, he had Jack Eichel centering him a majority of the time. Dylan Cousins, I hope that he's going to be taking the big next step this year. And I hope that, you know, last year he showed a lot of promise, even though it didn't translate to points, it didn't really bother me that much because he did look really good and he looked like he belonged. And a lot of the issues that he had, I felt like were, and I don't have the numbers at the top of my head to back this up, but he did have some issues with finishing last year, which I think contributed to that. Um, so, you know, assuming he takes a big step, I mean, what's a big step for him? Is that, is that 50 points potentially? I, I don't know. It, it could be like, I feel like I'd be happy if Dylan Cousins came out of this year with 50 points, but is it maybe Casey Middlestat? I doubt yeah. that because he's going to be playing in a bottom six role as he should. I love him being our third line center. And I think that that's where he needs to stay. I think that even though he showed a lot of promise this year, we need to abandon the idea that he will end up living up to his draft position and his draft hype. And he could still and, and in spite of that, he could still be a very, very meaningful, useful player on this team, but he's not going to lead him in scoring. Um, is Jeff Skinner going to have a, a magical revival? And no. okay. So it's like, who it's, is going to lead this team in scoring? Answer, Darlene. You really think it'll be Darlene? Darlene? So do you think Darlene can- I'll be thrilled if that's the case, because I, do, yes. I don't want them to be good, but I will be okay. I will be thrilled if His it's His age 19 season, he had 40 points in 59 games. Mm-hmm. So it's that's pretty like, damn good. They'll pretty play damn more good. than 59 games, obviously, if he were able to be on that pace, which he won't be, because you know that was you know, with Eichel being there and the power play and whatnot. But like if he were on that pace, he would be above 50 points, in which case I'd be like, sure. Yeah, I think he might just do that. I might mean, rack up a ton of assists. He might be their most valuable offensive player. Hey, we'll see, but I, you I think Dalton's got a good look at it. Let me, all right, alternatively, rather than asking who the leading scorer is going to be, do you think that more than two players will hit 50 points this year? No, not really. That's, it's going to get ugly this year. Yeah. I know we're both kind of ready for it. I, I hope we all are ready for it. I hope everybody at home listening is preparing, but who the fact that so definitively because i feel the same way too i can't imagine that more than two guys on this team are going to hit over 50 i i mean who knows and i think a lot of this is going to be dependent on how how the roster ends up shaking out but 
at the end of the day, you still have a major glaring hole on this roster, and that is somebody to play first-line center. You don't have it right now. You don't. And I don't want it to be Cousins either. I wouldn't mind Cousins if the second line is – He got in a fight that one time. Oh, I know. He might be captain. Oh, my God. Which also, as a as an added like side note for that too, assuming Jack is gone, I don't want them to name a captain this year. It makes no sense. I think you give out four A's. See, give you know, give a Pozo, he'll have his. Give three to the young guys and see who steps up. And I think you give out three A's and then you give Cody Eakin a D minus. Folks, nice. Well, everybody, this is the end of our podcast for the rest <laughs> of forever. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Well, kind of. So. <laughs> also kind of yeah yeah kind of um <laughs> we forget to do it on some sundays you know yeah no i hear you i hear you so all right well go on there's uh some other thoughts i have just it just popped into my head it was uh, a topic on buffalo twitter today briefly not big enough to justify me bringing it up but i wanted to bring it up because i just want to put my two cents out there give it for to me. good uh this the twitter user that you might know named uh, brother bill mm. bill's fan Oh yeah, uh, I don't know whose brother he is. He's not my brother, uh, but he is a popular Twitter account, and uh, mostly about Bill stuff. He posted a picture of Josh Allen and Khalil Mack reading each other after Saturday's game, and then said, "Doug Whaley will never be forgiven." And the reference here is to Doug Whaley not drafting Khalil Mack in the 2014 NFL draft. And I just want to—I I don't know if people forget, or if there's context at the time or if they weren't paying attention at the time and they're like, how did this happen? If you're any of those people, let me clear this up right now. Mm. Because it seems like a lot of people still disagree. 2014, coming off the 2013 season. And the 2013 season was EJ Manuel's rookie year where the Bills went 6-10. and He only played 10 games and I think went 4-6 and in those games. Oof, love to hear that. It wasn't great. He didn't have a great year, but it was so like, he got hurt three different times. So I think people had not given up on him at that point, but people were not optimistic after that rookie year. Uh, anyway, the Bills defense was the reason they even won six games. The offense was, I would have to guess, bottom five, bottom seven. The defense was top five, and that was driven by the defensive line. Was Mario Williams was finally, after kind of a mad first year, looking like the guy you wanted. Marcel Darius, after a mad first two years, was looking like a legit, legit top three pick. The, the way he was uh kyle williams looking good as always and then jerry hughes who they traded for that year they traded kelvin shepherd for him straight up and then all of a sudden they had this defense it was mike Pettin's defense at the time that could rush four and get pressure on the quarterback consistently get a bunch of sacks mm-hmm. i think either three of the four guys had 10 plus sacks or maybe all four probably not kyle williams i think three of the four anyway they might have led the nfl in sacks that year and that was it they could get after the quarterback and then 2014, which was the Jim Schwartz year, was the next year they were even better on defense. And by the end of the year, they were one of the best Bills defenses I've ever seen, in spite of the offense still being really bad. Oh boy, it turns out mm-hmm. EJ wasn't it, neither was Kyle Orton. So going back to the draft, though, in 2014, the Bills had the eighth pick, and they were looking for a receiver to pair with their young quarterback, and they chose to trade up for Sammy Watkins. And that was a bad idea for a few reasons. First of all, just anything about Sammy Watkins, read about him. It's not going well for him in any way. But also because it was a good wide receiver draft. It was deep, but there was also three big, exciting guys that were going to go in the top 10. And you were very, very likely to get one at eight. And in fact, as it turned out, you would have gotten him. It was Odell Beckham Jr. Mike Evans went seventh. So mm-hmm. what do you do? He's great. But 
Nothing you could do about that unless you're going to trade up one spot. So don't trade up at all. Don't give up a first the next year when you're not sure if you're going to be good to get someone like that. That's a, it's a terrible idea. Well, they did it anyway. So what everyone focuses on, the fact that Buffalo product, Khalil Mack, went fifth overall to the Raiders. So they could have gotten him after they traded up. A couple things. Khalil Mack played in Buffalo. You might remember him. He played at UB. He is by leaps and bounds the best player that's ever played at UB. He looked – they played Ohio State, and he was the best player on the field. He was awesome. He was an incredible, incredible player for UB. He's not from here, but, like, you know, UB's a Division One program. They recruit. Mm-hmm. So now Bills fans, after especially after Sammy Watkins has not been good and Khalil Mack was a defensive player of the year, he's great and all that stuff, want to like look at that and go, they should have taken him. I just want you to realize how insane that sounds, how insane that would have been at the time. The Bills were looking at in the playoff drought. They thought they had the skeleton of a decent roster, which they did. They did. So what do they do? They tried to they, – they, they did something stupid in trying to get Sammy Watkins. But what they should have done is stayed at eight and taken a receiver or maybe take something else. What they should not have done is trade up uh, four spots to give up a first the following year to get a defensive end. Or not, excuse me, not a defensive end, sorry. An outside linebacker who rushes the passer. When that's not what your defense is based on, that's not what it was going to be based on under Schwartz. Like, I know that's short-term thinking, but, like, that's also just logic. You would have to blow up the whole defense and your whole plan to get Mac. And meanwhile, you'd be sticking your second year quarterback who you took in the first round the year before with like Robert Woods and Chris Hogan. Robert Woods is pretty good, but like Bobby and Marcus Easley, mm. like guys like that. And it's like, it made no sense at the time. There was no big push. So the only push for it around here was like, he's the UB guy. And like, would it have made them better at any point? I don't know. I think it makes them worse for 2014. And then you probably bring Rex in anyway. And it's like, Rex yeah. ruined everything as it was. I, had, I mean, Rex ruined the defense to the point that, like, even with a top 10 offense, they missed the playoffs twice in a row. Bad. I mean, they weren't a game away or anything like that. How do you so, feel about Gruden trying to trade back for him? Do you see that in the offseason oh, this year that they tried to trade to get adorable. him back? That's adorable. <laughs> I guess if it comes down to this. What if the Bills did that? Why don't, why don't the Bills? Yeah, why don't, why don't we do that? Like, hey, Cleveland, can we have that pick back? Uh, <laughs> you guys can have Sammy Watkins that we don't have. Don't hindsight might be 2020, but in this case, that's not even the case. Like, it, no, it was clear as day. I mean, when they took Watkins, everybody was freaking out. Yeah. Like, it was a huge, huge sure. deal. And my contention here is everyone loves Brandon Bean. Brandon Bean would not have traded up for Khalil Mack. No, trading the whole thing. I guess what people miss. Ah, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I maybe would disagree with that, not because of Brandon Bean, but because Terry Pagula's brain dead ass would probably be like, get the Buffalo kid. People will love it. I have a feeling that that could potentially be a thing. He doesn't do that. Tell, those, mm, but, it, but how often has it happened that a stud top five pick coming out of Buffalo happens? Would he know who Khalil Mack is? I'm going to contest. Yes. No. I'm yes. Gonna say I think he would because somebody would tell him that. Who would tell him that? Be like, hey, Someone you see that guy? Knows who Khalil yeah, Mack they'd is. be like, hey, you see the kid from Buffalo who's going to go in the top five? No. And Terry I, would make it his life's mission to draft him. What, what makes Brandon Bean a good GM is that he would not listen to that. That's fair. He doesn't. But, but I don't think it would I be Dean who would do that, but it would right. be Terry who would be like, well, we need to do this because you know what else Khalil Mack is other than a UB grad? A big boy. He's a big boy. He does look well. A, I think he's a big, big boy. Not really a comparison. I mean, kind of for football. I mean, he's a big boy. He's he's big, but like it's not like there's not other outside linebackers who are big boys. But but he's a big boy from Buffalo. He's not from Buffalo. 
but like played I mean I mean from Buffalo oh, me, SUNY Amherst. I mean okay I, I mean from Buffalo as in like from UB yeah I don't I don't I mean T- Terry would like I don't I don't know if he really pushes that stuff with the Bills though because I, I don't think he fancies himself a football knower who knows he sure as fuck isn't a hockey knower yeah seriously anyway but anyway though. I said the bean wouldn't do it because even though bean just because because what you're doing here is you're saying they traded up and they're like we just love to have the fourth pick. We'll take anyone there. Right. It was clear they that their goal was Watkins. Watkins. Watkins was the was the goal all along. And so, not for yes. nothing, too, but, like, it wasn't necessarily expected, if I'm not mistaken, too. Like, there wasn't, like, this whole thing that they were like, they're going to get Watkins. Like, when you, you knew, like, when it was announced that they were going up, it was like, oh, this is to get Watkins. But it yeah. wasn't going into it either, being like, oh, we need to move up and get into, the, like, the top five. I, like, it wasn't, like, a premeditated yeah. thing that, like, fans were, like, widely talking about or anything like that, no, or happened. analysts for that matter. It didn't ha- it, Like, it didn't happen before. That. It literally right. happened, and then they took took Watkins right, right. after. Well, it was, like, um, his, uh, whatever bowl game he played in Clemson that year, his junior year, was like one of the best wide receiver performances I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like I, I so watched him. And I said, this guy's going to have 20,000 yards in the NFL. Obviously he had some other issues going on, but. If he starts his career in KC, I bet things probably go a lot differently. Yeah. Well, actually also, I mean, some of the stuff with injuries is yeah. kind of, it's, you know, can't get past that, but. And a mental stuff. Well, the mental stuff too. Yeah. yeah but it's tough. I mean, I think it, that would have gone better than it went in Buffalo. I'm sure. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Anyways, the last thing before we uh, move on from this is I think the the problem I have with this is you're 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 looking at the trade up, which you shouldn't be. Well, you should look at as they were at eight. Do they move up to four to get Mac? And most of the time, I would say no. You talk so you're talking about a whole completely different trade. Now it looks like like yeah, sure, whatever. They would have sucked, but now they would have had this guy who's like a Hall of Fame defender, and they would have been even better the last four years with Bina McDermott, and it wouldn't have screwed anything up. Maybe sure. I mean that makes sense, but you're looking at a completely different trade than the one that's made. You're you're asking them to move up to get someone that's taken three spots ahead of them, and you can do that with every draft. Mm-hmm. And it's just the the added thing that like he went to UB. It doesn't matter. We didn't have any special knowledge that other people didn't have. It's not like it's Jared Patterson or someone like that. Everyone knew who Khalil Mack was after they played Ohio State. Everyone knew he was going to be a top ten pick. Everyone talked to him. Everyone watched his tape. Everyone did. Mm-hmm. You didn't have some special advantage over him, it, which, which doesn't even matter as it, anyway, because he, he has no say in where he goes. But like the fact that he was taken by Oakland says everything like they knew in Oakland. It's one of the furthest away football teams from Buffalo. Everyone knew who Khalil Mack was. They didn't miss out. I shouldn't say they miss out on anything, but like not their fault. Mm-hmm. We should just, you know, we should have been a bad team with Odell Beckham Jr. Can you imagine the takes? From the Buffalo media, unbelievable! Oh my god, how exciting would that have been? Mike Harrington probably would have had well, a heart attack. He, I mean, he doesn't cover them, so I'm thinking more like the. Uh, it doesn't matter. I still think he would have <laughs> heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Um, Let me tell you something. I think this is a good good wrap up. Sabers Twitter is a cesspool of just just a just you know a bunch of people with trash taste, but god damn it. I look at Bill's Twitter sometimes and I'm like, thank God that's not us because some of the shit that I see Bill's and, and I should say like, I'm, I'm a part of Bill's Twitter, like in ter- when it's like the season, but like, not like there's a difference between like Bill's Twitter and being a frequent, you know, tweeter about the bills and Bill's oh, Twitter has some of the just most God awful dumbest takes 
and just tweets about everything that I've ever seen. Like if your profile picture is Cole, Be- Cole Beasley, stop, get some help. Yeah. Go talk to somebody. Yeah. Maybe therapy would be good. You're embarrassing yourself. Yes. Anyways, not to shit on anybody who's in Bill's Twitter, but. No, there's good, there's good soldiers. There's good people in Bill's Twitter for sure. Oh, absolutely. It's just that like, here's where I think the difference lies is that like the cringy shit in Bill's Twitter is way worse than the cringy shit in Saber's Twitter. Like exponentially worse. You know, I feel like the median, it's like, there's more like just run on the mill average Saber's Twitter users as compared to like with Bill's Twitter, like, Oh my God. I, I just feel like it's like weekly. I see something and I'm just like, what is wrong with you people? Like go, go outside and get some fresh air, get a hobby or something too. Like your entire existence does not have to be the bills. Your wedding doesn't have to be about the bills. Either. Oh man. Anyway. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> last week, if you guys listened and if you didn't, I'd go back and listen to it. It's not very long. I gave Brendan a quiz of very random questions of things I researched on hockey reference Mm. and Brendan loved it. (laughs) So I I did. I definitely did not say this was bullshit five times. I thought we'd run it back. Is this a pen over here? Look at that. We got a pen. Wow. I aim to please. So without further ado, 10 more questions that uh, Brendan will enjoy the hell out of. (sighs) All right. I'm sorry for any cursing in advance. Don't be sorry to the viewers. Be sorry to your son. I, I know I am. Uh, all that right. was to Ziggy, not to you all. So from 1979 to 1995. This is ridiculous already. I mean, no, this is easy. Okay, go ahead. The Jets played in Winnipeg, and then they moved to the uh, Phoenix, where they played from 1995 to 2021. Which iteration of the franchise made the playoffs more? Hmm. 16 years in Winnipeg. 26 years in Phoenix. I'll go Winnipeg. Yes, that's, this is yeah. an interesting one. It's 11 to 9. And the thing that I thought was interesting is, like, the Jets, you forget, they played in the 80s. Everyone made the playoffs in the 80s, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Coyotes, though, the Jets made the playoffs the year before they moved. And the Coyotes made the playoffs five of the first six years in Phoenix before they wow. got bad. I actually didn't know that. You know what their curse starts with? What? They traded Danny Breer. <laughs> Thank you, Phoenix. I think they've only advanced once since then. Maybe twice. Uh, anyway, oh. so let's let's go to a team we don't like. I'm glad we got a Danny Breer reference in there, too. I feel like it had been a little while since we had talked about him or mentioned him on the podcast, and I feel like we just... At least a couple weeks. To rejuvenate our souls, we needed to at least say his name. So, so the Carolina Hurricanes had their own weird stretch where after... During four straight playoff appearances, not four years in a row, but four playoff appearances between the years of 2002 and 2019, they made at least the conference final every time. So they made the final, won the final, lost in the conference final, lost in the conference final. So, and every time after that, they missed, well, they missed the playoffs every time after that, but the first three times they missed the playoffs the following year. So I want you to think about this. They made the cup in 02. They won the cup in 06. They made the conference finals in 09 and they made the conference finals in 2019. They had big drop-offs and points each of the following years. Which one was the smallest drop-off? Whoa. Okay. Can you, all right. So we're talking Carolina, biggest drop-off after making a conference finals. Yeah. Give me the years again. 
2002, 2006, 2009, and 2019. Not 2019. Remember, smallest drop-off. I feel drop -off. like, oh, the smallest drop-off, you mean. Did I say biggest? Oh, okay. I, you very well could have said either one, and I just Who knows? went over my Smallest drop-off. They're all big. So, smallest one. And is this points or points percentage? Points. Trick question then, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Um, so the smallest drop off, I will say 2006. No, they really? got off 24 points the next year. Here's the problem, though. 2006 is the only year they were actually good in the regular season. They had 112 points. Uh, so they dropped off 24 there from 112 to 88. In two, after 2009, they dropped off 97 to 80. That's the smallest one, 2009 to 10. And then from 2019 to 20, you correctly caught that it was a uh, trick question. Yeah, yeah. They dropped from 99 to 81. So that would have been a very small drop off, if any at all. After their cup appearance in 02, they dropped from 91 points to 61. So they were the worst team wow. in the league, a 30-point drop. Well, you're in 02, right? Yeah. So That's what I was going to say. When you said the biggest originally, I was like, it's definitely 02. 02 to 03. Yeah, yeah. But that, that was also prior to realizing the trick question, but still, regardless. Yeah. All right, so moving. let's move quickly here. The uh, 02 Avalanche, uh, last Avalanche team to make the conference finals. I'm going to give you some names. Just tell me the one guy who is not there the last time they made the conference final. The last time the Avalanche did? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Joe Sackick, Pat Waugh, Dave Abisher, Ray Bork, Redeem Verbata, Chris Jury, or Alex Tangay? Redeem Verbata. Incorrect. It was Abisher? Ray, Ray Bork. Wait, what? He was not there in 02. Redeem Verbata? Really? Redeem was there, yeah. Wait, so was Bork last year and then 01? Or... Yeah, when they won. No way. Oh, wow. I just got my ears mixed up. I didn't think that Verbata was there. That shit. Yeah, he's older than I thought. I, yeah. My, well, not even that. I just didn't ever think that he had played for for Colorado. Wow. Okay. So I would take that L in the 2000s. David Abisher too. That's a goddamn name. Yeah, seriously. The nine years that the blue jackets around for the aughts, mm -hmm. they were led in points four times by Rick Nash and five times by these three other guys. Can you name at least one of the other guys for just like the two thousands? Yeah. Um, They were led in points in the nine seasons. How many times did Nash do it? Four. So five, so five seasons. By three guys. Okay. Um, did Pekka do it while he was there? No. No. Um, one more here. Um, hmm. This is tough. There's somebody who is like just a, a major 2000s guy who is on the tip of my tongue right now. And I can't, I can't think of who it is. Am I wrong in that? Like, is there somebody on here that's like, oh, that's a 2000s guy? I think so. Yeah. And I will be truthful if it's, if when you say the name, after I guess this incorrectly, if this is who because I, I can't oh, 
Jesus. Um, damn. Sorry for the awkward pauses here, everybody. I'm just really trying to think about this because I feel like I do know this. Oh, man, Taylor, I, I don't even know. Radislav Kesla, I don't know. Who. No. Uh, the three were Jeff Sanderson. Sanderson, I, well, he wasn't the one, but I was going to guess him. I thought him, I was like, nah, I don't think the he would The inaugural team. Uh, and then Ray Whitney twice and David Viborny twice. Damn, no, that wasn't, that wasn't any of them. I'll go back and figure out who it was who I was thinking of, but anyways. All right, and then the, uh, the 15-16 Red Wings, the last Red Wings team to make the playoffs, maybe ever. There's six <laughs> guys with 40 points. Can you name three of those guys? Uh, six guys with 40 points? Yep. What year was this again? 2015-16. Uh, Red Wings? Yeah. Datsuk? Yep um zetterberg yep uh, b- 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 uh was uh no no not him was that when mike green was there no no okay um 15 16 red wings who the hell else would have been on that team Oh uh, boy. Um are there some pretty obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Seems to me. Okay. Um God, I should be doing better than this. I should know these ones pretty quick. Um no, he was gone then. Um What do I have? Two more guesses? Yeah. All right. This is Jeff Blaschel's first year. Oh, okay. All right. Let's think about the Red Wings here. Mm, I'm thinking of guys that are our 2000s guys that who keeps coming to mind. Like I'm thinking of like Holmstrom and how about Cronwall? Nope. No. All right. One more. Um, I don't know. Who is it? Could have said any of Dylan Larkin, Thomas Tatar. Wow. Larkin. Or Justin Abdelkader. Wow. I would have, I thought Larkin was a year after that. Damn. All right. Well, alas. All right. Uh, How many more of these we have? Five. Five more? Yeah, we did five. We got five more. All right. So let's get to the back nine. The back five. The back nine. Yeah, can you imagine? Please not nine more. All right. Please. So we have the uh we have our third co-host going buck wild right now. Yeah. In the studio, aka my living room. Yeah. So uh all right. I think you can answer this too. Okay. The 2002 Panthers. Uh so they had they, this is when the Panthers started to get bad after a kind of decent start after expansion. They had the legendary Pavel Burray. Oh, yeah, baby. He only played 56 games that season. Where did he finish for them points-wise? In terms of, like, ranking? Yeah. Uh, second. Actually, first. Really? Oh, well, I guess I probably should have seen that. I was thinking of that because of the Eichel thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually. Second was Christian Fusalis. Wow. Yeah, he had 49 points in 56 games, led the team. All right. Uh, in 2008, 
the Montreal Canadiens uh, had a surprise first place finish in the Eastern Conference. And they relied on three goalies to get there. Can you name at least two of those goalies? Cristobal Huey. Yep. And Yaroslav Halak. Yes. Boom. You didn't even have to name Carrie. I know. I thought I wanted to go the hard route. Huh. All right. Uh, 2016, Ottawa Senators. Not a team that made the playoffs. Not a good team. Uh, they had Eric Carlson, who had a, a very good year, had his mm-hmm. career high in points. How many forwards on the team finished within 25 points of Eric Carlson that year? Mm. Three. Close. Just two. Wow. Mark uh, Mark Stone and Mike Hoffman. Uh, anyone, wow. Everyone, and, and Stone was almost 20 points behind him, so it was just barely. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, all right. So – one of your favorite uh, non-Sabres teams, your favorite non-Sabre team, the St. Louis Blues. Mm. Uh, Not really anymore, but they growing well, up, they this, were. At this point. Yeah. From 2005 to 11, they had kind of a This was stretch. the prime of them being my second favorite team, actually. Even though okay. they were bad. Yeah. Um, well, no, at the tail end, they started to get good again. Once Oshi and Perron and Bacchus and well, got so kind of in the, the mix. The Blues have existed uh, since 1967. They were one of the first expansion teams. Did they miss the playoffs more in the six-year stretch or the rest of their history? I'm trying to think because, I mean, you know, they were pretty good when they had, like, Hall for a while. They missed the playoffs more in a six-year stretch or the rest of their history? Yeah. Oh, man. Um. I feel like it's going to be wrong, and this is like this is a crazy stat, but I'm uh, I'm going to go with the rest of their history, it's knowing I, that it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, you, you did know it was wrong at least. Yeah, they uh, this this is really crazy. They missed the playoffs five times in six years. They only missed the playoffs four other times. Four other times. Yeah, they only missed the playoffs nine times. Wow, that's actually pretty nuts. They were like the Sabers in that they used to make the playoffs and lose all the time. Hmm. And then they kept doing that, except for one year. Hmm. The Sabres did not keep doing that. Well, damn, there you go. Uh, so the uh, Washington Capitals have been a franchise since 1974. They and have. We're going to revisit uh, one of our favorite stats from last episode, point shares. Ooh. Hockey reference favorite. Basically, the uh, the top 12 most valuable players, according to this stat, are have their portraits listed across the uh, hockey reference team page for them. So their top eight in point shares, how many of those guys played for the Capitals at some point in the 2000s? Across their history, you're saying? Yeah, so this is the top eight from their history. How many of those guys played for the team at some point in the 2000s? Only 2000 to 2010. No, no, no. No, Well. Are you saying from 2000 until now? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, This century. I'm going to say... How many did you say there are? Eight? They're top eight. Well, they have 12, but how many of the top eight? Right. Um, six. Actually, it's all eight. Really? All eight played at some point in the two. Can I guess the names you have them there? No, but hold on. I can look it up. Because I got to think it's probably Ovechkin, Backstrom, Carlson, Green, Yager. I guess Peter Bondra, if he would count 
but he'd probably count for both, right? Because he played with them in the nineties, didn't he? Well, so at this, you just had to play at some point in the two thousands. That's fair. Oh, whoa, whoa. Ziggy, you need to calm down, my man. Ziggy is very passionate about the Washington Capitals of the two thousands. Yeah, let me see here. Does it not show it? Oh, here it is. Okay. All right, it's uh, I gotta click on them now. All right, so I'm gonna go by pictures. That's Ovechkin. That is Ovechkin. That's Peter Bondra. Yeah. Is that Ole the goalie? It is Ole the goalie. Number three. Who That's Nicholas Backstrom there. Uh, that would be Nick Backstrom. John Carlson there. Uh, that is an ugly looking man right there. That is Kale Johansson. Who okay. Played for them, uh, for their Stanley Cup runner-up team, but played all the way through 03 for them. Wow. Brayden Holtby. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, what's it? Gonchar. Gonchar. He played there in the 2000s. And then that's when it stops. And you have like, I believe this is Mike Gartner. Uh huh. Oh wow, no Yager. That's, that's Scott Stevens. This is Kevin Hatcher. Kevin Hatcher. And the last and Mike, Green. Mike Green. I was, okay, cool. So nine of the top twelve. That's and pretty crazy. All the top eight. I guess you could say they've had uh, most of their success recently. So you can see based on their uh, their points percentages. It takes a little bit of a dip. Yeah. The further They're back you go. Pretty good in the nineties. Not good to start. 131 in the first season points percentage. The first time took eight years for them to get above 500. And then they were solid in the mid 80s. Nice. So, yeah. Anyway, right. that's how many question. more we got here? None. None. That, that was, was it? it? Oh, yep. good. All right. Well, you have any last thoughts you want to share, Taylor? Uh, hmm. Nope. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, it is now, as we've been saying for the past couple of weeks, it's August still, which means. Hockey season is, is pretty much over, but also it means that hockey season is just getting ready to start very, very soon. And we can't say quite yet, but we have some very exciting news for the podcast on the way coming up that we're going to be able to share with you guys over the next few weeks, probably around mid-September or so. Um, but some very excited stuff is on the way, so we can't wait to, to share with you all the exciting things that are going to be coming our way in Season 3. So with that being said, everybody, this has once again been Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. We really appreciate you all tuning in very, very much. We'll be back with a new episode again on Monday. So we hope you all have a great rest of your week and weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.